And the thing is, when you're doing a business, you can do an awful lot with strategy, tactics, business acumen, selling techniques, organizational structure, you know, systems thinking, applying systems, all that kind of good jazz that lots of people we know sort of really geek out on. But the problem is that when this ain't working and you suddenly undermine everything by making weak decisions, you're screwed. You're undermining your business. And that's when I had to stand up and say, you have to put little Ian in the back seat of the car, strap him in, adult Ian has to show up. Welcome to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. How to build the emotional fortitude to win in life and in business. No fluff, just real world results. I'm your host, Ida Marmorani, ex-Israeli Special Forces, former undercover agent, Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Welcome to today's episode, guys. Today, we have Ian Horley with us. Ian is a client, a longtime client, and also his CEO of the company went through the arena on her own. He's here because he has a very unique perspective on things. He's seen a lot of success through the coaching, and I wanted to ask him if he'd be willing to share some of the insights that he has, what the specific things are that has enabled him to have some success, and not some success, but a lot of success, and he'll share this. And also, at the end of it, he actually has his key points on how to get the most out of coaching, and I'm really looking forward to hearing this from him. So without further ado, welcome to Emil, and also welcome to Ian, and thank you for being on, Ian. Appreciate it. Hey, welcome, guys. All right, so Ian, could you please give people just kind of an overlook before the coaching, after the coaching, what's the transformation? Sure. Well, really, before the coaching, you know, I don't want to say that things were bad. They were just, you know, everything was great on the surface. Uh, by great, what I mean is got a business, hardly need to spend a minute working on it. It throws out, it throws out money. It's all doing great. Um, and I'm making this as short as possible. But to say that after the coaching, it's literally going through doublings in record time. So by that, what I mean is not so much a number of people, but in terms of revenue and much more importantly, in terms of actually profits coming out. So that's the kind of good stuff that you're, you know, these uh, beautiful entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and uh, curiosity cats listening to this podcast want to hear, right? They want to, oh, it's the numbers and he doesn't have to work too hard, etc. But really, that's, a, that's really the bullshit, um, to be honest. It's yes, it's there. Yes, anyone can get that. But I think the real difference, the real transformation was one of the largest causes of anxiety and, and uh, sort of almost self-loathing was the amount of anxiety I felt over financial insecurity, which comes all the way from my childhood right through my adult life. So yes, yeah, success is great, but if you're not hanging on to your money, it's really difficult to call it a success. And um, this manifested itself in a way of, I have four kids, so every time I want to see my kids, it's a logistical, it's a major logistical move. I don't know how many of the people listening to this have even have kids or want to or want to do it, but when you've got four kids living in two other countries, uh, some of them not even on the end of one flight but two, it basically means, uh, yeah, when I want to see my kids for Easter, it's 22 flights I buy. So the idea of, you know, optimizing your points and stuff is just ridiculous. You blow through that in a, in a short weekend. And this isn't even my fun, you know, this isn't even for fun. This is just so I can listen to my kids, help them do their homework and uh, tell them about where babies come from, that kind of stuff. This is just the normal stuff that people have to do, 22 flights. And I do that four times a year, plus other travel as well. And the difference was before the coaching is every time, because I've been doing that for 15, 20 years, every time I had to go through that process, which is frequently, it would destroy my week. My anxiety levels got through the roof. And it just wasn't fun. What coaching has enabled is to create a business 
that is running so efficiently and so uh, how do I want to put it? It's not just the efficiency with the with the lack of all the stuff that's holding it back and the unnecessary noise. Now, when it's time to book flights, I book them way in advance. I don't look at the optimizing the airline, uh, the airline prices. I don't look at anything. I get the airline that gets the best timing. I don't care about the price. I buy the fast track, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I do that without even having to look into a bank account. Now, yeah, that is a problem that is solved by money. But I can tell you, I've been working very hard for a lot of years. I've had multiple businesses and not at any point did any of the hard work, the multiple businesses, the fancy productized service business model, the um, lifestyle coaching or anything else. Not at any point did that improve any of the situation whatsoever. The single only thing that has improved the situation is the result of the coaching. And for clarity for everyone, like it's a must skip through it. I've actually worked with Emil in the past twice. So I've gone back for him for a second helping because uh, to be frank, that probably saved my life at some point. And with Itamar, I've started a second round. So I'm going to, this is important for something I'm going to come to later. And also for, like I say, the person who runs the company, they're going through a second round of arena as well. I do the one-on-one -on -one coaching. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I put everything on me. That's it. So that's the kind of before and after. So, Probably everyone wants to know, great, so how many millions are you making? Yeah, I'm not going to go into the details that right now. This is bullshit. I make more money than I can spend. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So I want to dive to that because you said that the main – you've been doing all these kind of things before, building the businesses. Nothing changed with your technical knowledge. We never worked on your business knowledge, for example. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to dive in and say, okay, then so what's changed? If the technical knowledge stayed the same – why did the business change and what did you as the founder do with yourself, your own process, your own journey to enable that change, both for yourself and the business? Okay. So, I mean, that's a, that's a huge answer to unpack what changed. I mean, I'm going to come with a cute answer. Um, I'll come with a cute answer that encapsulates it really. I heard somewhere, I know where, um, that a business's growth and success is 80% limited they use the word limited, but comes down to the psychology of the founder. Your psychology uh, drives your emotions or doesn't necessarily drive them, but helps you have a relationship with your emotions. Your emotions drive your decisions. The quality of your decisions decide whether or not you end up with a successful business or not. Yeah. That is a large part. It's not all of it, but it's a very large part. So actually what happened was my decision-making process, as well as some decision-making frameworks that I've also learned as well, but not, it's not making decisions based out of fear and based on being driven out of old, old, uh, what do we call them? Uh, like mindsets, old beliefs that were actually sabotaging. So what's changed, again, I'm, I said this could be an enormous answer, really is the removal of sabotaging behaviors that were causing me to start businesses, do really well, and then suddenly find a way to screw them up one way or the other, psychology, you know, yeah. psych for psychological reasons. And that sounds absolutely ridiculous to someone who's never tried it. You speak to any coach, they'll go, oh, no, almost everybody does that. So like the whole world's doing it. Yeah. It's just there's a difference. There's some people who take themselves seriously and their business serious and want to build something bigger than themselves, and some just want to wing it. And the ones who want to wing it, their psychology is going to screw something up somewhere. So what changed really was that is that psychology to not respond to or let fear steer important decisions in the business and make the bold moves. And business is a tough place, man. I've got all the frameworks. I can, I know all the tech, I know, not all. I know 
tactics to build a business. I know how to put teams together, how to operationalize them. I know how to come up with strategies. I can negotiate. I can sell the pants off anything. I know all that good stuff, but it doesn't matter if there's something in you that's going to sabotage it as soon as the success starts to make itself evident. Yeah. So that I, I want to add to that. It does. And that's what I was thinking from my perspective as well, working with you. And the way I look at it, a lot of times it's an access issue. Like you've had decades of experience in business. You're as your business savviness is extremely, extremely high. But the reality is even if someone has an extremely high business savviness, but their constraint is to access it because of their beliefs, like you said, mindsets, whatever it may be, then it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant almost because they can only get what they can access. And I think that's the big thing that most people are not willing to accept that it's not about you growing a bigger pie. It's about you doing the work so you can access everything you have right now. Usually just that is going to create giant gains. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. So with that said, I, I know you have your list here of things that you wanted to go over and say kind of use your process and they are in a chronological order, but, and they're all basically these seven things are what I think when I viewed from the sidelines, what enabled you to actually go through that process. So I'd love for you just to go into it, man. Looking yeah, for that's correct. This. So what I didn't want to do is make this a, <clears throat> like an online therapy session for everyone to, everyone to watch and gloat over. I didn't want to make it all about me. Actually, what I want to make it about is, like I said, is the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and uh, curiosity cats listening to this and serve them better. Because uh, any good coach, you know, will have a tool belt with a lot of good frameworks, ideas, and methods. Um, and by me sharing the ones that worked for me, because sometimes you had to try two or three times to get to get yeah. to something, and it's the one that cracked it, the ones that cracked it for me. So if you want to see what it's like coming out the other side, being able to pay for anything you want and any lifestyle you want. Um, these are the things that unlocked it for me with all of my years of experience, right? And all of my tenacity and all my hard work and my savviness and all this kind of stuff. Getting through to someone like me is really hard because I've been used to people telling me I can't do shit or the shit I want to do won't work and everything, and I've proved them all wrong again and again and again. So trying to get me to follow something, as Amir will also probably say, is, can be very frustrating at times because I can talk myself and you out of almost anything. Um, so what the way I've structured this is I've come up with um, seven of those, those uh, what do you want to say, like tools that crack the code along the journey and allowed us to make rapid progress. So I'm going to start with those seven, but I also then have some real, there's going to be some gnarly ones in there. So uh, yeah. stay tuned if you want some good disaster porn. And also at the end, the three things that I believe enable an entrepreneur who's busy, has a I'm not that busy, is busy and can um, get the most out of coaching when there's a limited amount of time or attention you can give something that is so fundamental to the psychology and how your day goes. So because, you know, you, watching this, you're going to be making some investments. And uh, to get the most out of those investments, you really want to have some frameworks going into it first as well. And they may not be very obvious. And just to be very clear as well, I also, you know, I, I don't work. I mean, the, the biggest work I've done has been like with Emil and, and Itamar. And then I've also had help from other people as well. And I think actually Emil and a couple of you know, know who those people are too. So it's really about putting how you put a team around yourself to make yourself win. Yeah. Right. So if it's all right for you, I'll just get straight Let's into it and keep them super short and stop me if you want clarification on them. But I'll start with yeah. less and you ask for more if you want it. So the first one really right off the bat on day one was playing the me game. And 
that's something I struggled with because from my, from my whole life, you know, I've been playing someone else's game, as we know. Authority figure in my life, making everything they wanted in the world come, come, come true. And then the behaviors that come from those authority figures from my younger life, driving me to choose certain other, you know, uh, non-optimal relationships in my life after that. Yeah. So really it was playing the me game was very, very difficult to get in my head. So we had to work in, we started switch to something called the, the free Ian game. So what would a free Ian do now free? Like I just said at the beginning, I can buy flights. I can do anything I want, go anywhere I want any minute for as long as I like, don't have to look in the bank account to do it. But in my mind, I'm inside a prison. Right. Can I dive in? Yeah, go on then. So there's a difference between freedom to and freedom from you were free to buy flights, buy cars, whatever it may be. But when we don't have the freedom from, from certain things in our mind that hold us back, that cause anxiety, these stories we tell ourselves, these figures from our past that still hold over us, we don't have real freedom. It has to be both the freedom to and the freedom from. And that's where there was a misalignment. That was a constraint. You didn't have the freedom from that past of yours. And that's what did enable you to have that free outlook of like, what do I actually want in life? Forget about what I feel I need to do in order to justify this or win this other person's game, but what do I actually want? You weren't free yet to really figure that out and explore it. Correct. You say that's accurate? Yeah. Uh, it's 100% accurate. And the funny thing is, you know, we got through, this was the first session on the one-on-ones, but not the first, you know, hour, but the first block yeah. of time we used. At one point, I turned around to and said, oh, I've just realized something. I don't need to play the play free Ian game anymore because the Ian yeah. is free now. So it's just the, the, the me game. That's it. It went all the way full circle back to where we tried to start with. I just couldn't get there without understanding of the free to and free from scenario. Yeah. So that was a funny conclusion. Just to jump in there as well, because you mentioned at the start that your business previously was, it was successful. It was, you know, you know, as you say, throwing off money and you had the car and everything else. Um, and you could have done a lot of these things, but it was, it was something else that you needed to get rid of, as we say, the free from and free to. And the reason I mention this is because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have businesses which are doing fine, but there's still something missing. And that is where you took action and, you know, started working with Itamar. And that's where you had the change, not only to making a load more money, but also to finding this, this mental freedom from, from the inner resistance, right? Which we'll go into. Yeah. Um, and that's really important for other people listening who, you know, their business is doing fine but there's something missing. There's something not in alignment. There's something not quite right. And that is not acceptable. That needs to change. That's, that's not accepting the six or seven out of 10 life and looking for the, for the 10 out of 10. So I just wanted to kind of highlight that because you started and said, look, my business was doing great, but still there was something missing. So, yeah. And I think it's great that Emil brought this up, honestly, because also a lot of people probably listening and people have this perception of what they just need to accept is good enough. And what I think you're saying, Emil, is like, no, you don't actually have to do that. You don't have to accept that this is just good enough. You can also have the freedom to and the freedom from where things are really aligned. And to be frank also, like things, the freedom to also grew a lot once you became free from that. It kind of affects each other, chicken and egg. That'd be correct? The business grew a lot. It's a part of it. It works together. Yeah, and you can do a lot, you know, just with the money in the beginning. So enough, that word enough is, 
Man, I'm going to puke all over that word right now. I can, I can cure every one of this one. <laughs> enough is really good when you're kind of going around hanging out and trying to work out if it's going to be your biggest, your biggest issue when you're arriving to town is whether you're going to have flip-flops or sneakers with you or whatever the F is going on. And you say, hey, enough's enough. You know, I made 20 grand a month, man. It's all great. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, four kids will cure you of that one. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At some point, they will start getting married, or hopefully not getting sick, or whatever. And you're going to be flying around the world, and you're not going to be wanting to fly around sort of on your fucking airplanes. You know, yeah. you're going to you, you need to get there. There's no, there's yeah. no nothing there. So you'll be cured really quick. And if you don't go for 10x what you need, when when your life requires 10x, you're you're screwed. You don't have the operating system required to get there. So it's yeah. far better to go in and sort that psychology out early because you're going to need it at some point. Yeah. And that's, that's if so, you don't get sick, if you get sick as well, and then you're trying to do it when you've got to, yeah. you know, when you, when you're trying yeah. to do all this and you're not optimized health as well, because you, you know, you're getting on, Hey, you, you're done. You're toast. You're standing there yeah. waiting for the bus instead of driving past it. And then you Range Rover, you know, yeah. which one do you want? You ain't going to be so cool anymore. Yeah. All right. So to kind of summarize this point one is really to play the free me game. And to accept that you got to recognize there's probably a lot of biases that you have, a lot of beliefs in how you should be doing what you should be doing, a lot of constructs that you got to break and you got to self-identify first. What do you really want? That's number one. Correct? Yeah. yeah. Got it. Beautiful. Number Let's two. To number two. There's a great sort of in, in, intellectual model that says in any, so the, the, the point of this one, the catch line here is about removing what's holding you back. It's removing is the fastest way to growth rather than adding things in there. So that sounds really nice. And then if you look at it, at a, another way I've heard it said is in any equilibrium, if you're trying to move forwards, uh, if you need to pull harder against, the against something pulling you back, you have more tension in the system. You need more mm. tension pulling you forwards to overcome the tension back. So the fastest way to make gains is to remove what's holding you back, right? That's all great. I can intellectualize that very easily. I get that. But applying it was really, well, I've been trying to do it for years wasn't really working. And the one little thing that the exercise we did, I think it was probably in about our second hour together, was when you said that the thing holding you back is a belief. So I was always looking for a thing, like a, a process or a workflow or an automation or a person or a cook or a cleaner or a freaking trainer or whatever the hell it is. Something what that you needed to add, basically. Back? Yeah. But actually, everything yeah. that was holding you back was beliefs. And the wonderful thing about beliefs, once you, you pointed out what a belief is, and usually, again, they're based around fear normally. I'll let you cover that one. Uh, I yeah. think you're the expert on this. Once I identified it as a belief and you said, if it's a belief, a coping mechanism for some kind of trauma or whatever that's happened in your past, if you put that belief in place, you're also free to take it out and replace it with a belief that is effective which is going to come on to my next point, which I might as well get yeah. through to number two immediately. Okay. Because what I liked about when you then said, there's no, I, I, I may be misquoting you now, but this, this is how I interpreted it was, it's not so much there's good beliefs and bad beliefs. There's just effective beliefs and non-effective beliefs. And an effective belief means that whatever your outcome is, whichever mountain you're standing on top of and look up and there's an even bigger mountain, doesn't really matter. There's either effective or ineffective, good or bad actually puts constraints around you, which are not necessary. They themselves are also beliefs, but effective just means what is working for me gives me the happiness and the money. And by the way, there's two big equations there. Like I said, business was going great. 
I had to force myself to not do business, not work, but didn't know what to actually do in the non-work time. So I would just sit on the sofa, literally, because I didn't know what to do. I've never had that model. I've just worked all my life. So the effective belief is, once it's, a, once it's an effective belief, it's making anything in the world happen that you want to happen. So that was it. That was a two-part of that one. So removing what's holding you back and what's holding you back are beliefs. And there are effective beliefs and non-effective beliefs rather than good or bad. Go for it. I'll share my perspective on this. So to kind of clarify this, I think what holds most people back is not a belief. It's a fear. And that fear causes them to act in a way that's irrational or logical and doesn't actually serve their goal. And they think they're actually optimizing towards a specific goal, but they're actually optimizing towards a certain fear that they don't want to feel. An unpleasant emotion that, again, is invoked by a fear. That's what they're actually optimizing for. Yeah. Now, a fear, like kind of to reel this in, a fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that something or someone is going to cause you pain, harm, or is a threat. It's an unpleasant yeah. emotion caused by a belief. Now, a belief is just something that you hold to be true for you. And this is the big part that people don't understand a lot of times. A belief isn't fact. It's, it's not science. Gravity is not a belief. Gravity is a fact. If you jump from a building, you will fall, regardless of what you believe. That is a fact. Now, a lot of times our past causes us to believe certain things. That this is just how the world is. Or if I do this, this equals that. And these kind of beliefs, they really hold people back because they don't enable them to see reality for its full spectrum. And what Ian is saying about effective or not, it's like you just have this perception of if I do this, this is just what it means. But first off, that's not true. It's not an absolute truth. I can falsify that. I can challenge that. We can say, is this true for somebody else? Is this true within this context? Because if it's not an absolute truth, then it's just a belief. Yeah. And then you could say, what, what else is actually true here? And what would be more effective for me to lean into? And also just to, to clarify, everything that Ian is saying about effective beliefs, we never made something up. We never like, oh, I'd like to believe that I'm a unicorn. It's never that. It was, but this is really crucial. It still has to be true. And then you can say, okay, this is a truth I want to focus on. I wouldn't call it an effective belief. I call it a truth worth focusing on. Does that make sense, Ian? Does that click? Yeah, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do now, right? Just to Go for risk annoying, annoying you. I'm going to be the advocate here for the person receiving the coaching, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and when you're receiving the coaching, because this is, this is what I said, this was my mandate coming into this. I'm, I'm look, I'm telling people yeah. how, how to think this way when you're receiving this. What Itamar said is 100% right. Okay. The thing is when you use the word fear, right? Especially, especially wily old, wily old people like me, they go, yeah, no, I'm not scared. And then when I am scared, I just overcome it. Done, done, done. I use the word fear. And by the way, you know, fear is like running up to the policeman and going, I didn't burn him. Like that. I'm not scared. Yeah. No, no, no. You just told everyone you're scared. So the thing that actually unlocked it for me was using the word belief, because I know a belief mm. is something I have a bit more control over. And that backs you into the whole fear conversation nicely. So the word belief actually, for me, and this is not going to be the same for everybody. Everyone's going to have their own you're going to do your yeah. work with everybody and it's going to come out a different way. But for me, definitely until it was identified as a belief I'd put in so that I knew, which is my relationship to fear. I could change my relationship to fear. When we started at fear, it didn't stink. It just got, it wouldn't go in. I don't, don't tell me I'm scared. I'll stare anyone down. You guys are met me, right? Yeah. Not really, really. I don't, don't really have much problem with that. Also, there's the word just, uh, you said, just hold to be true for you. And the word just isn't, I don't believe is a, is, um, it's not just, it ain't easy. Hold to be true yeah. for me. Yeah. I've been holding it since I was a kid, since 
you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to tell everyone about myself, although I'd be happy to, but you know, I didn't get the bike for Christmas. And I've been holding on to that belief for a long time. So just holding the idea that it's something that I'm just holding on to actually. It belittles it. It belittles it and makes it almost impossible to do. And I think a great person once said, uh, Itamar, you might know who it was, something along the lines of, we are prepared to change out any belief except for the ones we truly believe in. Yeah. Right. Okay. And if you truly believe in it, because it's been ingrained in your life and it's been your friend for so long. It has avoided you from getting into this uncomfortable situations. It's been your friend. You don't want to let that friend go. So it's hard, man. This is hard work. And those it's little responses unlocked it and turned the hard work into an easy model to start doing more hard work on. And until yeah. that happened, no one had ever broken through it to me. No one had ever broken through to me. Yeah. So first of all, I appreciate you telling me that. I, like, I just improved right now and I appreciate you giving me that feedback. I want to say this beyond the hard work, and this is something that you don't have here in your notes, but one of the biggest meta things with all these steps that was always involved on your end that you display a lot of courage. It's like it's, it requires courage to say, like I said, this is a friend that's been with me for decades now for my whole life saying, okay, I'm willing to try to put this aside and see what's on the other side. It requires courage. And I think that's a prerequisite to doing any of this work. It's important we didn't cover it. But like, I don't think you get to where you are if you aren't able to display that courage and really lean into that. And like for that, man, I, I commend you. And I've said this many times. It's like, that's, that's really the big deal here, man. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Thanks for sticking with me and not letting me off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So. Yeah. Okay. So, so if I can, Emil, you're right to move on. Yeah. I just want to add a little bit, but I won't spend too long. Um, the the fear is the subconscious part that people don't know that they're not aware it's a fear and what they often are aware of is the upstream stuff what i call symptoms of that fear and once you start to gain clarity then you know what itamar does is shines a light on beliefs which are still another symptom of the fear so that's what you come across. That's what you understand. And it makes a lot of sense to me. That's why you associate with the belief rather than the fear. But what you mentioned at the beginning was even more upstream stuff, which are the very superficial symptoms. Like you said, you were trying to fix this internal problem, this subconscious hidden problem, which you couldn't define with these external superficial things. And you're never going to fix an internal problem with an external uh, intervention. And I liken it to playing whack-a-mole. So you, you, a problem comes up, you, you whack it down. Another problem comes up, you whack it down. But as long as you never deal with this core fear, draw, shine a light on it and, and deal with it, you're just going to be playing whack-a-mole endlessly. So I just wanted to kind of reiterate that because that's what people associate with. They're, they're taking these actions to deal with these things. They think they're making progress, but they're not because they're never addressing the core thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's what coaching does. It's like they're in blind spots. And the whole point of a yeah. blind spot is you can't freaking see it. So <laughs> you need someone with a torch going back and look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes yeah. somebody else to do it. Trying to do it yourself is, is just idiocy. I mean, complete crazy. And, and then ideally give you a, a roadmap to, to overcome it. So shine a light on it is one step. And then look, these are the steps to get to get past it. And this is rationally challenging beliefs. Because yeah. it's all well and good saying, look, you have a fear of unworthiness, a fear of aband- abandonment. I, this is what therapy does. It's like, this is what's there. You're like, okay, good. I feel warm and fuzzy inside. Now what? Yeah. And this is oh, now yeah. where, 
you know, okay, but this is what you need to do. You need to bring these beliefs to the light. You need to rationally challenge them and you need to plan to, to overcoming them. Yeah, warm and fuzzy feeling. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going as soon as you said that. I knew if that, if that's, that's, what, that's what you want, don't go in the business or don't try and do a proper business. Yeah, just uh, hang out and hope you never have kids. And have to I, I think beyond that, just like the warm and fuzzy feeling, it's it's nice and great. But what you want beyond a warm and fuzzy feeling, you want a long lasting result. Yeah, and that's a differentiator. And the result is happiness, which is the ultimate warm, fuzzy feeling. But you have to go through some stuff to get to it, you know. I think beyond happiness, it's pride. When you actually go through the hard stuff and you're able to come on the other side, above happiness, there's pride. Great. And I think that's like the biggest thing when I see in you today, I see a very, a very proud individual. And like, that's why I'm like, I'm so happy I always see you these days. Because you can <laughs> see that it's a very different look. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean everyone says it. Everyone yeah. knows me said it. But yeah, that's awesome. person shows up now. Yeah. Much better. Good. Right. So the who's driving my story, right? So number four. Yeah. Number four. Thank you for, um, yes. So I covered this in a testimonial for you, which is a bit more sort of woo woo therapy, you know, kind of discussion. There was a, um, at least one, but one definite authority figure from my childhood into my adolescence, actually, who, um, has a specific style of controlling people very much involves barking at you and putting you down, getting you down. And um, what I noticed, so this is one of the, if I had to come up with one of the concrete things that really changed in the business that you can turn into money immediately. So yeah, you know, good therapy ain't cheap, but I make my money back on Itamar in the, well within the site, well inside yeah. the time that I'd spent it, well inside actual, you know, dollars and cents, not, one day it will be better because this, I mean, right in the moment is when you're trying to build a business that has people in it. And I don't know how you could build a business without people in it, unless you do something very derivative and kind of, in my word, almost meaningless, like stocks, cryptos, and these kind of things. If you're actually trying to build a business with value in it, right? You're going to either be, you're going to be recruiting people. That's recruiting people to your team or recruiting customers to your, to your mission. But one way or the other, you're recruiting them. Because selling to someone doesn't really happen. The real sale has to happen until they recruit and they keep paying you, right? So um, when somebody would speak to me in that tone, despite all my, you know, broad shoulders, uh, forceful nature, persuasiveness, confidence, all these other things, what I didn't realize is that little Ian would show up. Because... Little Ian has been showing up nearly all my life. I just didn't know it. So all, all the circumstances in my life where sabotaging occurred, um, progress was thwarted, literally, sabot literally, great success, do great things, something happens, Little Ian shows up and makes a, makes a decision that is bad for the business or whatever, bad for me, bad for the business. And that destroys the value you build up, the, the value you're trying to build, the, you know, the enterprise value you're trying to lock into a vault to build a business goes at that moment. And what really, uh, I was working at the time I was working with this mind with, uh, another, got another person, this point came up at exactly the same time. And really the words that changed it for me was when, when I would say when a certain person inside my business spoke to me in a certain way, I would immediately start to try and make them feel good. Right. Oh, well, I don't know. Don't, don't worry about that. I can, maybe we could change your role this way. We could change your role that way. Or if I gave you this model over here, no matter which solution I really offered them, they would always decline it. 
Because I found out what really they're doing is nothing to do with what they really want. They just want the control. They're just that personality that likes doing that. Gruff, barky, that kind of voice, right? Um, And once I I was told, because I was asked, you know, I was asked, what um, what do you feel when you hear that barking sound from other people as well? I say, oh, well, I, I, I appease them because I want to protect their feelings, maybe. And they went, no, you're not protecting their feelings. You're protecting Little Ian. Yeah. You're making the barking stop. And Little Ian would shuffle off and maybe do more homework or mow the lawns an extra time or do whatever. But he wasn't attacking, he wasn't a grown-up. And the thing is, when you're doing a business, you can do an awful lot with strategy, tactics, business acumen, selling techniques, organizational structure, you know, systems thinking, applying systems, all that kind of good jazz that lots of people we know sort of really geek out on. But the problem is that when this ain't working and you suddenly undermine everything by making weak decisions, you're screwed. You're undermining your business. And that's when I had to stand up and say, you have to put little Ian in the backseat of the car, strap him in, adult Ian has to show up. And anyone who's met me, Hearing that there was a model of me where Little Ian would show up would probably be pretty mind-blowing to them, which is why I'm sharing it now. It hurts me saying it out loud because people listening to this may go, fucking what a, what, a, what a sissy, what a wuss. No, man, I'm not a wuss. I'm, believe me, I, I pulled off some big stunts in my life. But still, all this time later, it wasn't until Itamar and you know the help I'm getting externally as well understood that moment the really big decisions, the gnarly ones that most people don't want to do were not being made. The second, and the efficacy of this, was within half an hour. I came off a call with Itamar, I stood up, had a quick glass of water, went in, made a decision, and it went. And you know what? All the barky people, they piss off really quick because they're just bullies. They're just weak bullies. And actually, they didn't care about me at all. I don't know why I was even thinking about them. Done, gone. And since then, and I want to announce this right now, as of this morning, I checked before this call, marks the one-year anniversary from that person being allowed to control anything in this business whatsoever, or even be. Thanks, man. Very And nice. the business has, I don't want to give away numbers here. The business has not doubled. It has trebled in a year that took us four years to get to in exactly one year. And it has exactly trebled today, like in the numbers. So yeah. if anyone wants to know what the power of that is, yeah, trebling an already pretty impressive big number with no effort whatsoever. And in those eight, and in eight months of that year, I haven't done any work in the business. I've done a lot of work on myself, but I've not done work really inside the business in any way at all. Whereas before, yeah. I was constantly going in, appeasing these people who are trying to steer me. Always jumping in, trying to fix this and fix that. Now, free of it all, done. It yeah, also so does I- help that the people I put in charge of the business are also being coached by Itamar right now. That also helps. But anyway. I, I do want to, first off, that's awesome. All of it. I want to add a couple of things here. The last thing you said that I haven't worked on the business. I've worked on, on me. Mm-hmm. It's a paradoxical thing because as the founder, the, you are the main asset of the business. And that's something that we've spoken about. Like the founder working on himself is him working on the business, especially if you can release a lot of things. And I would hope a lot of more people be able to recognize that and own it. That's one. Another thing you mentioned was that, the biggest thing that I took away that you weren't aware that this was going on. It's not that you were aware this was going on, but we're having a really hard time to deal with it. It's that old quote. We keep reverting to that until you make the unconscious conscious directs your life and you'll call it fake shedding. Like how you said, shedding a light on that blind spot. What was really, really impressive 
with me when I when we were going through this is that the moment we shone a light on this and you figured out what was going on, I remember it was tough for you, but like you said, 30 minutes later, you sent me a message, done, he's out. And that's what I was saying a couple of minutes ago. That's the courage part. When you can have both the understanding and the courage to say, oh man, this feels uncomfortable, but I'm gonna trust that this is the right thing to do and have the courage to act on it. That's why you get these results, man. And for everyone who's listening, this, it's a prerequisite. Courage is a prerequisite. Ian didn't wait until it felt fully comfortable and fully aligned and it was just easy peasy. And then he did it. He, there was that courage gap, that gap of like uncertainty. He still jumped that gap. And that's why he had this success. Emil, I feel like you want to jump in here. I just want to clarify this courage thing because courage is a word which is thrown around so much and to the point of being meaningless. Um, the, the key in this example was taking the, the action, taking the hard choice in the moment, and that required courage. And essentially for the purposes of this, courage is taking the action despite all of the feelings. Call it fear, call it discomfort, call it whatever. A lack of 100% confidence. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Action is the key. And this is predominantly, I'm imagining, entrepreneurs type people listening to this. But if it's not, there are plenty of people in companies, and I come from the corporate world originally, who fire people and make hard decisions all the time. They're not the ones who own the company and go down with the sink. They'll still get their leaving bonuses or their bonuses or their salary. They've never, they've never gambled their money. Maybe they gamble mm. a little bit of their reputation, but they know they can bounce back and get more money. It's a completely different world when you're an entrepreneur and you feel responsible for the company as well. You're responsible for, you know, the, the, the dozens of livelihoods that kind of live on you and your own, you know, it's just totally different. Being in a company that where other people pay you and you're standing on top of systems that were built by other people, there's just no comparison. So if anyone's thinking, oh, this should be easy. I do this kind of thing all the time. If you're going... I do this all the time. This is really easy peasy, mate. You are fucking nowhere near the truth. That's all. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Well said. All right. Shall we move on to number five? Yeah, let's go. So this is actually a big one, but it should be hopefully quite a quick one. And it was a metaphor you came up with that was, that's, that's huge, which is what do you want? Right? And you and everyone who works with me has I don't know how you guys stay with me because I genuinely did not know what I wanted. I had a bunch of things that I'd written down in 2016 that I knew I said I wanted, but they always involved other people. Oh, I want to be with these people. I want to be with those people. And I had this, and I was holding on to this for a long time. I want to share great shared experiences with my family. And I want this. Yeah, of course I want all these things. But when someone says, what do you want when no one else is there? What do you want? It was absolute blank, total blank. I can't answer the question. Because from a young age, any the word I want, these words have been spoken in my family. The word I want should be removed from the English language. You should never say I want anything. It should be what can I do for you? That's how I was brought up, right? Okay. Which is interesting because the people who teach you that, they want everything and they just really want you not to want something so you can do their shit for them. That's actually what's going on. Yeah. So when someone says I want, it was an absolute blank. And what got me through this was you changed tack at some point. I think you one week didn't, you know, it was it was a tricky one. You said, okay, think of it this way instead. If you don't know what you want, and this concept we need to get to, try and think of it like Michelangelo's David, the statue. There's a big block of marble, and I might butcher this a little bit to correct me, but basically, when asked how do you create a statue inside from 
from this block of marble. He says, oh, no, the statue's always in there. It's what I remove. So I just keep removing granite until the statue reveals itself inside. And the, and the words you then said immediately afterwards, which we, we kind of went to the same point almost immediately, because we both, as soon as you said it, I realized what you were saying, is what I find in the very core of what I want, maybe I used the word immature and you said underdeveloped. Because the part of me from my all going all the way back, which involved what do I want, was never developed. It was never a muscle. It was never a choice I even thought I had. I always did what other people. It, there's no there's no surprise that I chose to spend significant parts of my life with people who dominated yeah. every, it dominated every part of my waking day, even where I slept, which is called a sofa. So it's 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 going to be underdeveloped. You're going to be a child. And you warned me one thing. You said you may not necessarily like what you find inside because you don't know what it is. It's never been developed. Um, I've not decided yet whether I like that thing on the middle. Actually, for me, I, I love it. It's me. It's the it's the it's the foundations of what's built everything else. I just didn't know what was there, and it's underdeveloped. Now, having shed a lot of that excess marble in our first series of sessions, that's why I signed up for yet for another set. Is because we're now working on building the life I really want. Because now the business part of it, the bit that most people watching this are probably really going, oh, just give me the business tips. You know, they think, oh, they're going to get all the shortcuts, etc. If that's your if that's your attitude, sign up for them. Sign up with this tomorrow and get to some truth pretty quick because you just won't get either of them. But when the money side, everything is there and that's all functioning. And then I sort myself out. Now I've sorted myself out. The business side also happens to be going up to, up through the roof. So both things start working really well. So no matter how much success you think you have in business, if the bit that you is underdeveloped in any way, start working on that because the business thing goes up through the roof and then suddenly you're a lot happier or definitely I am. And I'm still yeah. working out what I want these options to be, but God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for life. Huge charts, man. You know, just off the charts. Never realized this was even a possibility to be this good. Yeah. That's awesome. Emil, do you have anything you want to ask about this? Or add? Not about this one, no. This is well explained. Yeah, I'll, okay, I'll give a little um, overarching synopsis of this. So what most people say or think that they want isn't what they actually want. It's just what they hope will resolve a certain insecurity. And that's why people get to this later stage in life and they don't know what they want because their whole life they've been spending and trying to figure out, well, I have this insecurity that I'm not aware of. And maybe if I do these things, I won't feel this insecurity anymore. I won't feel this way that I don't want to feel. And for a lot of people, they try to overcompensate with money, with drugs, with whatever it may be with a lot of people around them because they don't want to just, they want to be preoccupied with something. And it's an interesting thing. Once you remove people's main insecurities, there's kind of like a gap there saying, well, what do I actually want? Now I don't feel a need to optimize to resolve these insecurities. So what do I want? And it's a beautiful transition. It is a bit, it's a challenging transition because all of a sudden you have to face the truth that I don't really know what I want. And a lot of people shy away from it. But again, this is again, where you leaned into it. So, you know what? I want to explore this. So again, like hats off to you for doing this, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. So the next yeah. one, number six, <clears throat> bad fuel. Um, what drives you? What fuels your engine? And when you're on bad fuel, what it makes you do versus when you're running on good, clean fuel. So there's a, a key point I'm going to come to in the second part. So the first part is bad fuel. My bad fuel 
was trying to prove to somebody else that I was clever because that authority figure, their catchphrase is almost, well, of course. So basically, no matter how great you think you are, no matter how well you've tried, no matter what you've done, no matter what you know in the world, it's always, well, of course, <laughs> get under me quickly and get ideas by station. So this bad fuel of always wanting to prove my worth drove me to do some pretty crazy stuff, right? <laughs> and I did, I did prove myself clever. I did prove that I've got a lot of juice. Um, part of it was the business, the way I worked inside the business. I created a business model that is, that everyone else said can't be done. Not only have I proved it can be done, but I proved it can crush it. They just don't know how to do it themselves or they haven't done it yet. Now, what I did was, is I'm not gonna go into a, um, a hard work porn story of how hard I worked on it, but put it this way, drive to pick up my four kids, jump in a car, drive 1600 miles through six countries to take them on a holiday. At the end of 1600 miles, feed them, get in the hotel room, still wake up at five in the morning to record, to record two videos for the modules of that, to then drive another day, et cetera. I mean, we're talking about really, really, really working hard. I remember um, this period. Think, you really were. Right. Yeah, I really was. I remember, I remember warning me like, oh, fuck it, this guy is going to just pop. <laughs> and did I pop? Yeah. Yeah. I spent in the hospital. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know how to drive myself really hard. And what I learned after the fact was. Wait, I, I want to pause this for a second. Yeah. Because the, the, the vernacular here is important. It's not that you know how to drive yourself really hard. That you had something that was driving you really hard in the wrong direction. And Thank this you. is that's the key a, thing. That's a better choice of words. Definitely. Yeah. And that it, what you were saying here about there's just dirty fuel, trying to prove people wrong. This is again, going away from us playing what we really want to right. say, what do I really want? We're actually just trying to waste so much energy trying to prove somebody wrong that we end up going in the wrong directions. Yeah. Yes. It will prove them wrong. Possibly, probably yeah. not, but possibly, but it's not what we actually want. And we're expending so much energy on that. And that's the fallacy that a lot of times people think if I'm trying to prove somebody wrong, I'll see success. You might succeed in what you're trying to do, but it's not success because it won't give yeah. you real happiness and accomplishment, just, whatever you want to call it. hundred percent. Correct. Yeah. You got that better than I did there. So, um, so just let you know as well, this authority figure happened to see the business model I was building in 2017. Um, so not, not the online learning program that teaches how I did it, but the actual program. And it was another yeah. one of those. Well, of course, there's nothing special there. It's just, well, of course, that's what people do. I mean, no. yeah. Thank you, man. You can't see it. You just can't see it. That's the difference, right? Anyway. Yeah. So I've still got another bunch of sessions with this, because you can see now that I, I have finally woken up to the, what the bad fuel looked like, which is now my, any frustration I have now is the fact that I ever let any of this stuff get to me. So please, if you're a lot younger than me and nearly all of you will be, address this earlier than I did. So can I give my honest perspective? Go on. If that course wasn't you, here's the thing. What you really wanted to get out of that course, um, what you thought you wanted was to give people a phenomenal tool to build a better life for themselves. And I remember you were talking about this back in the day before we started working together. You were flushing this idea. I want to have agency owners be able to live a better life. Mm -hmm. That's what you thought you wanted. The reality yeah. is what you truly wanted was to prove that voice wrong, that you could put out something really, really clever and really, really smart and be respected and appreciated. And because that was the actual thing that was driving you, you went beyond what was actually necessary. And mm -hmm. that's why people almost got bewildered by like the, the, there's so much in the course. Yeah. Would that be accurate? 
And I think it's so important for people to hear this. A lot of people think that this dirty fuel, the anger, the rage, whatever it may be, it's what's going to lead them to success. It's not. It will lead you to succeed in the wrong avenue. It'll push you really, really hard. It is amazing fuel, but it will probably take you in the wrong direction. Right. And that's the big recognition most people need to have. And just a flag before we move on to the next bit. So for people to associate with this concept of dirty fuel or dark energy, as I call it, you probably had it when you started your journey in entrepreneurship, building your business. That's probably the initial thing. It was trying to prove someone wrong or uh, trying to desperately scramble out of a situation or something. And that drove you initially. That was the high motivation thing which got you to the le to level one, which is why it's so easy to go back to to think that's how I get to the next level. But at a certain stage, very early on, it starts to push you in the wrong, in the wrong direction. And it's, it's dirty. It's dark. It's, it's not the way to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a good point, Emil. Like, honestly, I'm so glad you said it. it's such a good point. And even it doesn't have to be as dirty or dark or whatever it may be as having a real bad traumatic experience trying to prove somebody wrong or, or any of that nature. It could literally be that you have to hustle to make some money at first. But again, that have mentality, I'm afraid to be broke. That's not what's going to get you to the next level. You got to evolve from that. And I think it's very well said, Emil. Appreciate you putting that in. So, so I've got one last seven one. And this one, last one should be pretty quick. It's one we did very recently. And um, I think from a happiness perspective and a calmness and a, and a removal of anxiety is the biggest uh, effect I've had so far. Or is the biggest, uh, is the most effective tool we've used so far. So is performance versus pressure curve. And I'm going to let you explain that in a moment. But basically, I'll tell you what problem I was facing is having now not worked in the business at all for eight months. I was, I was beginning to work on what life do I want. So I started trying all these new things, right? Certain types of travel, doing certain things. And some of them I found I didn't really enjoy that much, actually. Um, but I didn't know because I'd never tried them before. So gave a bunch of but what you said is in you're putting now you're putting the same kind of pressure you put on your business and building that up and that business life. You're now taking that pressure and you're now putting it on yourself trying to build a personal life. And the problem is you put I'm putting so much pressure on myself now for the personal life that actually I'm not enjoying it and it's having a negative effect. And the day after within 24 hours of you having said that, I had probably the first day in my entire memory life, a day when I just sat there and enjoyed the day. Didn't think about optimizing anything. Didn't think about tomorrow. Didn't think about, I know where a lot of these anxieties are coming from as well. And I had a really happy day. Actually, it was a holiday here in Portugal. I drove down to a cracking beach sat there and when normally you'd finish the meal looking at the, the, the you know looking at the, the beautiful beach and the sun instead of me going well you know if we leave now after dinner we could go back and get the next ferry back across into town so i just sat there and went well, the sun's not gone down yet we're just sitting here doing this now this may sound very easy for a lot of people but when you are constantly been moving all your life worried about what happens in the next day and that anxiety you that's, that becomes a problem um you never sit down and just work out how to enjoy today. And um, that was the first. So the pressure versus performance curve, when you explained that, it gave me permission for the first time to just sit there and go, take the pressure off, see what it's like just sitting here enjoying the day. Yeah. So I'll explain the performance pressure bell curve. It's basically a bell curve. Imagine on the bottom, 
there's pressure. On the side, going up is performance. Now there comes a certain point where there's positive pressure that is called excitement, intrigue, interest, and that builds up performance. And it's a positive pressure. But then beyond that, the pressure gets to a point where it actually causes a dip in people's performance. And usually what I notice is that that middle line is when you transition from something outside, like this would just be really fun. This would be really exciting. Wouldn't it be cool if we could do this, if we could build this, if we could create this kind of business system, whatever it may be, to what does this mean about me if I don't do this? What does it mean about my self-worth? Are people going to judge? If I can't do this, if I, if I fail, when you start internalizing all these meanings about yourself, that's when you dip into the part of performance, like the, the, that stress part where your performance really starts to dip. And this was also something that I learned like, for myself. I had a really hard time not pushing myself all the time and putting more pressure and trying to, because I thought more pressure makes more diamonds. And for me, that was also a pivotal thing in my own development to recognize there's a point there of it's not diminishing returns. It's the opposite. It causes a dip. Is that accurate? That is absolutely accurate. How you saw it? I will say, because I just wanted to say a thank you, because since that day, which was not that long ago, actually, um, probably about a month or so ago, my day has, I've had many days like that where I've just enjoyed being in that day. And it feels, it feels absolutely incredible. But do you know what feels really, really incredible is knowing that it's on the other side of already having a successful business as well, which means not only do I sit there and just enjoy the day, but have to fit tomorrow, I'll wake up and fear, can I afford the flights? Can I afford the rent? Can I afford the, the car? I don't even have that fear anymore. It's just. I'll say, I'll say this though, for people who are not there yet, don't excuse yourself to think, okay, so this isn't relevant to me. The performance pressure bell curve, it is a very well-researched thing. And even if you still have to make a lot of effort in your business, make an effort. And I don't mean doing small things. If you're in that stage still, where you're doing everything in a lot of tasks, that's different. But if you're in a place like Ian said at the beginning of the episode, where you have to make impactful decisions that are dictated by your emotions, the performance pressure bell curve is a really important thing to be aware of, to be on top of. Because if you're starting to dip towards that point where there's too much pressure, it will hinder your performance as far as that. So even if you're not at that place where Ian is right now, it's really important not to neglect that. Don't think it doesn't apply to you. It probably applies to you more. He's talking about in the realm of enjoyment, but also in the realm of just straight up performance, it is a really, really important tool to understand and to be conscious of where am I right now in this bell curve? Do I need to hold back? Can I push more? Or also, why am I in this place? Am I associating too much stuff for my personal, my self-worth? Or am I just looking at it as a fun game? And that dirty fuel will drive you at the wall. will just drive you at the wall. Yep. It will just, it will yep. just ram you into a wall really hard because yep. you can't, when you're, when, you're, when you're like that on dirty fuel, you're not seeing the performance pressure bell curve. You're just not seeing You're blinded. It. You're blinded. So that's right. my, um, I reckon that's seven tips and tricks or however you want to say it, actual practical things that work for me. Those were the key points that allowed you to have the transformation. And yeah, I exactly. really, really appreciate you sharing them because I think people Thank can you. see that these were key things. So maybe I should try them as well because there was a result here, like you said. Beyond they, the, there was a result. There is a result that is both money, which is what a lot of you are looking at, freedom, which is what a lot of you are looking at, but also yeah. happiness, which... Um, is not guaranteed. More of you should be Sorry, looking at. <laughs> Life happens to you, and there's nothing guaranteed in there. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you can always make more money. That's really easy, right? You yeah. can always you can always start a business. That's really easy. But what else? At what cost? So I've got yeah. uh, three 
uh, four very, very quick points on how to get the most out of co- any coaching, actually, but work, working with Itamar Emil, um, anyone else. So the first one is I just have a, a – avoid coaches that you see hunting for cheap options. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So you'll see a lot of them out there. You know, uh, hey, man, I can, I can transform your business. I'm a performance coach and this, that, and the other. And then you see them out there saying, hey, can it, does anyone want to share an Airbnb? So it's a really nice cheap <laughs> it's a cheap cap. I said, fucking don't do it. If you are voting for yourself as a cheap, unworthy person, if you hire that person. Hey, yeah. You need yeah. the person to be reassuringly expensive. I am, anyone judges me too little. I don't know. I, don't, I won't give them the time to do anything with me at all. And it doesn't mean to say you've got to be, uh, you know, stupid with money. It doesn't mean to say you've got to be rolling in it, but it should be slightly uncomfortable when you pay. Because if it is, you will get results really, really quickly. And so when I decided to, I mean, it took me 30, not even 30 seconds. It didn't even take me three seconds to say yes to it or not. But when he first sort of gave me his price, I went, oh, yeah, that's an amount of money. And then I went, but of course, because I know that it is going to pay me back one day. What I didn't realize is that it would literally pay me back in less than the time it took Itamar to deliver that first package. I mean, actual real dollars more than that. But the long-term effect of that is just, it's incalculable how much value you get out of that. If I'd voted for myself as someone who's not worthy of the best by taking someone who's, uh, you know, hunting around for cheap Airbnbs and sharing in nice local cheap cafes, I would be voting for myself as a loser. And I'm not. I'm here for the big one. So that's the first thing. So... Um, this one, I'm going to try not. This one sounds a little bit technical. Stay with me. But it's, uh, I asked Itamar in my first, in my, before my first session and any other coach who works on any kind of therapy type framework, any sort of psychological framework, are you kind of causal or what we call teleological in other words into the future? So causal is when you look at your, your childhood and all these things and you look back into it and analyze it and understand it, which gives you a reason of why you are the way, the way you are, okay? But I think it's okay to look back, but just don't stare, is my way. Then you've got the people who are teleological. This is the Adlerian psychology view. The former one is the, is the Freudian view. The Adlerian one is you can change anything about your life in any moment whatsoever. Have a clear vision of where you want to go. You will manifest it. You know, it's all the Napoleon Hill work. It's the psycho-cybernetics. Manifest it, dream it, it will come if you believe it enough, et cetera. There's all that. In other words, going back to one of my first points, if you have a belief, it can be replaced and it can be changed in a second. It can change in a second. And you can have any life you want. It is never too late to change, ever. However, I do also believe that if somebody's only teleological and dreaming and telling you about this big dream and you can change anything, they tend to be a tad woo-woo-y, the people who only talk in, those par- in that paradigm. So if you're doing that and having success, if you have not addressed the things in your past and those beliefs from your past, they will come and screw you up at some point. Because at some point you're going to be tired, drunk, frustrated, not feeling too well, scared, and the old patterns can come back and sabotage your future dreams. And that's what would have happened to me. I'm very teleological. I went down the psychosyphonetics route some time ago, nearly 10 years ago, and, and manif- I have manifested a future for myself, which is working. However, it was not going fast enough, and I kept sabotaging it. That's hence I had to go backwards. So when picking a coach, 
in my personal view, everyone has their own view. Look at someone who has the ability to understand the past and the mental models you've built as a coping mechanisms, but also make sure that they don't try and hold you there forever and that they also present a version of the future that you can have. So it's really coming back to Itamar's, one of his first principles is remove what's holding you back. Because that's the practical application that makes that all work. Because when you've removed what's holding you back, really sky's the limit. Get ready to get on a rocket ship if you've got a business as well. So if you just want to be happy, that's all cool. If you have a business and a team and a way of monetizing this help, you get strapping because you're on a rocket ship now. You're just going to do things you can't believe. So that's the causal versus teleological. Hopefully I didn't lose too many people just at that point. Be vulnerable. If you're not prepared to be vulnerable, don't even. if you think you've got it all dialed in, you know, you just want someone to give you the shortcut, like, you know, push-ups done for you. No one buys that service, right? Because we all know it's not going to work. It's the yeah. same thing here. You're going to end up doing some work, and it's okay to do work on yourself. The good thing is if you have a business is you have a method of earning income while you're doing the work on yourself as well. But it is hard work, and it's good, worthy work. So, yeah, be vulnerable. If you're not vulnerable, you just won't get there. It's like a confidence comes from having done things that made you scared in the past multiple times because you have the confidence to get through it but it does require you have to do some some work that may scare you a little bit or leave you feeling a bit sort of lost in the wind for a short while just trust yeah. in the coach trust in it that they're going to get you through and i want to uh, add something here beyond trust the coach it's you got to decide everybody wants to be brave but no one is willing to be scared of vulnerable it doesn't work if you want if bravery or courage is a virtue to you then you need to be scared. You need to be vulnerable. You need to put your situations you might fail, whatever it may be. Yeah. These two have to work in unison. That's what most people don't understand. <clears throat> Everybody wants to be brave, but nobody's willing to be courageous or vulnerable. That's just, it has to come together. Yeah. And it's, um, you can always see the vulnerable. We're, we're part of a, um, a, an entrepreneurial organization, right? And we see lots of people who aren't prepared to be vulnerable. They walk around with, uh, but we also see them when, you know, when the light's off them and they're less cocky and they're very vulnerable. But as soon as they're in a group, they suddenly become invulnerable. They all want to, you know, yeah. and then you have the ones who want to do failure porn. And the problem with failure porn is the ones who always want to talk about all the things wrong, in, you know, not wrong in their life in a complainy way, but, oh, my God, I really made this mistake and I made that mistake. And at least I'm vulnerable and I'm, you know, I'm vulnerable and I'm learning and I'm on a journey. Yeah, yeah but what you're doing is you're, taking the, you're, you're, you're removing ownership of that and saying, yeah, but you're not doing anything about it. So you've got to uh, do something too, you know. I have a strong opinion on this. Go, go, go There's it. a fine line between effective, effective vulnerability and victimhood. Mm -hmm. It's if you're just saying this is how hard it is for me, that's when you're exhibiting victimhood. If you're saying this is how what it's hard for me in order to be able to figure out something better and move towards a better future, like you're saying, it's very effective vulnerability. If it's for a purpose, it's a means to an end. If it's just an end, all you want to do is just say, this is hard for me. And again, we all need time to vent every once in a while, but if that's all you're doing and that's, all that it is and where it ends, that's its victimhood. It's not effective vulnerability. Bingo. Yeah. It cool. was a thing I decided to leave off my list as well was around that subject. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the last one's simple, um, is one there that I see a lot of coaches out there with playbooks, you know, uh, methods or processes that are going to get through. And I actually met one just the other day, talked about the importance of a goal. If there's no goal there in it, you know, and, um, yeah, I'd agree that to a certain level, playbooks are good and goals are good. But as I pointed out to that person, the ones I want to pay the most money to 
are not the ones that have a playbook or a goal. I don't know, you know, we've all, you've all got playbooks, right? And when you're doing group coaching, they're probably essential because they keep things on a certain set of rails. Maybe, maybe not. You, you're the yeah. pro, not me. So I'm not yeah. there. But when I'm choosing how to, how to use my, my money and my attention to vote for myself, the framework I really go for is something you've mentioned and also another person I've worked with has mentioned, which is you stop thinking about a playbook, you stop thinking about a process, and you start thinking about what's effective for the person sitting in front of you, which is me. I'm the one who needs to get the results here. And the path to the results is unknown. It is always unknown. The idea that there is a path you follow is ridiculous because at any single juncture, there are so many ways it could go. And the problem I have with goals, I don't have a problem with goals. I love goals. There's lots of goals. I've achieved nearly all of them. The thing is, is that once you start getting up into the rarefied atmosphere of having removed everything that's holding you back and you've installed a set of business practices that give you the, the tool to build a really successful business on both sides, so you have the freedom to do it and you also have the skills and the mechanisms to do it, there's no way that a goal that you set a little while ago is going to be enough. Because suddenly the, 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 the sky is just open and you're in a rocket ship and suddenly you're looking back at what used to be what you thought the horizons were and you realize just how small they are because anything becomes possible. So goals are kind of, in my view, goals are good to a point. But the real money game is played above goals. It's yeah. when there is just boundless, endless abundance of opportunity for happiness and money and freedom. Yeah. Well said. Very well said. That's pretty much all I've got. No, I haven't. I've got hours worth of more stuff. To get <laughs> <laughs> we tried to keep that short. By the way, I noticed that Neil said earlier, I'll try and keep it short. I'm not really a, that much of a fan of, hey, let's all keep it short. Let's keep it simple. Give me the playbook. Give me the shortcut. You know, the number of people have yeah. come to me going, oh, you're an online learning program, man. Just give me the one or two slides that I really need to change my life. I, went, I go, you are fucked before you even start. Yeah, this. so I want to say this, because this also relates to what you were saying about coaches and playbooks and all this kind of jazz. There's a quote I love, and I'm butchering it a little bit by Emerson. He says, the man who, who only knows tactics will get lost. The man who can understand concepts can apply tactics at will. Uh -huh. And this is a big part of how you think. You think in a conceptual manner. And that's why it's also we didn't set a specific goal. We said, Let's, there's some concepts here. One of these concepts is they got to figure out who do you want to be. Not clarify this is a goal. This is a concept. Another clear uh, concept is what's the fastest path to success and what's holding you back from that? What belief structures are there? This is a concept. You keep going back to this in different stages of life. And I can look, literally read through all of these. What fuel? Bad fuel. That's a concept that you can apply and constantly know what's going on here. What's driving me? Conceptually, what's going on here? And I think these are big things, and I would love to kind of wrap it up on that level. Ian said some really, really impactful things, and I really appreciate you sharing this. All these things are not specific, do this, do that. Some of them are in a tactical level, but they come from a concept of if you do these things, you can, again, remove the stuff that's holding you back so you can go to that better future, like you were saying. And putting that all together, that's just what gets results. Can I? Yeah. Anything else, Ian? Should we log off? Oh, there's loads, mate. Come on. Yeah. Loads. There's always loads. Yeah. That's just the great thing about life, right? Is it presents yeah. you with all these wonderful opportunities to get better and grow. So there'll be more. But uh, hopefully that if you've watched this, uh, you've, you've, you've uh, given yourself the uh, opportunity to vote for yourself, put some money down, get some work done.
Yeah. And I want to say one last thing, actually. Courage. Like all this stuff does not work if you don't have the courage to actually, like Ian said, believe in yourself, think you're worthy of doing this and just do things that are scary. You have these friends on your shoulder, these voices from your past that are familiar. They're not good for you, but they're familiar. And it's kind of the devil you know. And it requires courage to do a lot of these things. And everything we said here, courage is the prerequisite. If you decide, if you choose, courage is a choice. If you choose to employ courage, everything can just get better in life. Everything. Life, business, everything. It's just amazing what that thing can do. These are frameworks. These are concepts you can use. Courage is a prerequisite. And on that note, I wish you guys a good day. Ian, thank you again so much for coming on. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. Please tell a friend if you enjoyed it and found value in it. Three last things before you go, though. If you feel like someone else with your exact skill set and abilities could be accomplishing more than you currently are, that's a mindset and emotional access issue. And here are three ways I'd love to help you conquer any internal limitations. Go big and win. One, three quick ideas Tuesday newsletter. It's a weekly email with three quick ideas around one aspect of elite performance and how to approach it differently to get better and faster results. People say it's the most thought-provoking and impactful two minutes they spend in their inbox each week. It's easy to sign up to and easy to cancel, and you can sign up at edamumryan.com slash three ideas. Two is the Emotional Fortitude Micro Course. It will help you build the emotional fortitude and confidently tackle any goal. It's the complete, nothing held back, emotional fortitude system in five simple parts. It's all under five minutes each module. See it, use it, and win. And it's completely free at edamarmorani.com slash course. And number three, lastly, if you want to dive in and aggressively level up, the Arena Mindset Accelerator might be for you. It's a six-week intense sprint for entrepreneurs who are up for a dramatic transformation. It's an interactive live program where you'll be working with me in a very hands-on way to get clarity on what you want, build an effective mindset to optimize for your goals, and establish elite emotional fortitude that would allow you to overcome any fear or doubt that could get in your way. You can learn more at itamarmorani.com slash accelerator. You can find all of these links in the show notes below or go to itamarmorani.com and have a look around. Until next time, who dares wins.